It gives us great privilege this morning to have one of our heroes. I mean right here in our own uh, proximity and vicinity, one of our lakeside missionary heroes. I mean one of our very own that we have followed his progress throughout the years, 20 plus years now, 22 years, John Gunn has, he left the pastorate to become the pastor of all the children of the inner city of Pontiac and became the founder, the director uh, of uh, a Pontiac Kids Power Company. Would you put your hands together and give him a real good hand as he comes to minister the word this morning. God bless you, John. You first. <laughs> so good to be here. I love coming to Lakeside. It's always a treat for me. You know, we're, we're linked so closely, not just by proximity, but so many factors. You know, Pastor and I go way back and um, have been longtime friends uh, serving, you know, in the district together and serving as fellow pastors and both PKs and uh, just a, a long history, our families, uh, his mom and dad are heroes to me as well, and um, so I, I'm grateful for that connection. Also, so grateful for Madeline Clark's prayers for me over the years, many, many years. She's made an invaluable investment in my life and, and your life and many preachers who started out young on this thing. And uh, Terry, as you know, uh, is there with us every day of the week, knocking it out doing what he does here, serving, giving, working. Um, I like guys like Terry. You know, I don't like guys that, you know, the days of the Model T are over. I hate guys you gotta crank up in the morning. You know what I mean? And Terry's one of those guys, he's a crank all the time. So it's, uh, he's always there, always motivated, always, I mean, he's just, and that connects us. And I, I just, I, I wanna tell you folks, how grateful I am, and on the behalf of the thousands of children we've ministered to and still do today, who have been saved, whose families have been saved, who are out in ministry, who are college graduates, who are married and having children of their own and doing it right, you have, you have made that possible. And not just in Pontiac, but all over the world. Your mission's commitment, you know, um, in giving, not just here at home, but all of the missionaries you support. I want to tell you that your money, that you, it's not yours, you've given it to God, so it's his now, and it always was his anyways, he was just seeing what you're, if you're going to give it back to him. And, um, and so when we give it back to him, he takes it, and he turns it into spiritual life. You know, that that we honor God with and give in missions, and tithes offering, all of that. You know it's working 24-7, 365 days a year, that when we're asleep, the sun's coming up somewhere on the other side and missionaries are there taking the finances we've sent them and sowing the seed of the gospel. What a wonderful place heaven will be uh, as we're just bombarded through, through, I don't know how, it, there's not gonna be time, but 
During eternity, people will be coming to us from all over, thanking you for investing in their lives, for the faith that you had in them and in the gospel, and that God's word wouldn't return void. You took that at face value, and you acted on it, and you gave so that people could be saved. You'll never know, you'll never meet this side of eternity, and they're in heaven and will be in heaven because of your investment. And my kids um, in my city, are the recipients of your kindness, of your compassion, of your generosity. And, and to this board, the, I don't know how it works. Is it a missions board? The, the missions board, I wanna thank you. If you're here in this service this morning, you, maybe you, some of were in the early one, I wanna thank you. I know that from time to time, decisions come to you guys about you know, extra gifts and helping ministries around the world. And you have been so kind to us. And um, I, know that, I know that everybody needs a buck. Every missionary out there needs a buck. I get that. And uh, that's what it takes. My friend John Gallinetti up at uh, Grand Blank, he says, uh, the gospel is free, but the pipeline costs some bucks. And that's just how it works. You know, the gospel is free, but it takes money to get the gospel out. And, and so... Those times that uh, Power Company has come before you and you have chosen to bless us abundantly over and above your monthly gifts and things that you've helped, I want to thank you for that. It makes and has made and continues to make a massive difference in the lives of the children by, by allowing us to keep moving forward and not having to back up or give quarter to the devil. So thank you, thank you, Pastor, because I know it's your vision, your heart that, that leads that spirit. I know that. I pastored 25 years, I get it. And uh, we launch our 22nd year next month of Power Company Kids Club. And I, I wish some of you could come. Thank you. Give the Lord praise for that. He, he is the deserving one. I, um, I, I wish you could come, and you're always welcome to, any Saturday that you would like to come, 10.30 in the morning or 2.30 in the afternoon to witness what you're investing in. What you'll see is the entire ministry now being run by the young men and women who were saved as children. Some of them started with us in kindergarten that are now adults, graduates of high school, some still in high school, some in college, some graduates of college, three beautiful couples that God has brought together, saved, and they're married and raising children the right way and doing it God's way and the biblical way, that are up leading and preaching and praying and mentoring and teaching and visiting the children and driving those buses. That's what you'd see on a Saturday. Kids after 22 years that started with us, little Chelsea, kindergarten, she's now a mom. She's graduating from college, married Gary, little skinny kid, came from one of the worst neighborhoods in town, started with us in about fourth grade. They've got a beautiful little girl, Chelsea. I mean, the, and they're there every Saturday, including the baby, Chelsea, serving and giving and going and doing and rescuing the children that were like they were some years ago. That's what you'd see on Saturday, plus hundreds and hundreds of kids that we bus in and uh, bring the gospel to every single week. We visit 1,800 children in their homes every week. Those are just the grade school children. We are in the homes, and, and I mean in the homes, every single week of over 6,000 people in our city. Can you believe that? Every single week. 
1,800 of those are children. The rest are siblings, brothers, mothers, caregivers, uh, uh, guardians, grandmothers. Uh, and, and we not only are there, but because we're just a household name and we're part of the fabric of our uh, city, we're, we're visiting neighbors that don't have kids and ministering. I'll never forget Georgia Tate, who was, was just totally enslaved to alcohol uh, in the projects as a result of uh, a number of things. But one, her, her one grandson, one shining star, was a student at State University. had come home over the weekend and had gotten involved in a game of craps there and, and uh, things went bad and he was shot to death right across the street from where she was. And she turned to alcohol and I, I, no kids that she has that could come to park and nothing. But I remember visiting her every week and she'd be sitting out on a lawn chair as I'd go to visit my children and, and uh, a big fifth next to her and just sipping out constantly. When that was empty, she'd stumble in and get another one and bring it out. And I'd visit with her and talk with her and pray with her. And one day on a, on a day of visitation, I just prayed over her and she prayed and called out to God. You know, God saved her. God delivered her. She's never taken another drink of alcohol. 87 years old now. Still visit her and see her. And, and that's what God's doing. And, and you're a part of that. So thank you from my heart. I, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. That's what God's put in my heart to speak to you about today, and that's influence, influence, influence. Do you know that, that at this year's Super could we call it a Super Bowl? <laughs> Toilet Bowl, I don't know, what would, you, what would you call that game? I'm not sure. One team showed up and the other, uh, enough said, okay, poor Peyton. Um, the, uh, but you know that advertisers spent an average of $4 million for every 30 second advertisement. Think about that, four million bucks for 30 seconds. They weren't buying time, they were buying influence. They're targeting primarily the younger generation, knowing, because corporate heads are, are smart enough to know that they're the next wave of consumers. And so they're targeting the young, the children, the teens, the young adults, because they know they're the future. If they're going to stay in business, they've got to capture the imagination of the upcoming generation. We're talking about influence. How many know that the devil will, spend, will spare no expense to influence? The Grammys are a prime example of that. I, don't, I didn't watch it. I never do, can't stand it, that's, if you watch it, that's your business, I'm not condemning you for it. But this year's Grammys are a prime example of hell's investment in propaganda and influence. Influence! It's the most important thing in the world. Uh, Albert Schweitzer, medical missionary, he said influence isn't the main thing, influence is the only thing. Influence! Jesus spent three years and his influence upon 12 transformed the world and you and I are here today because of influence. It doesn't take just 22 years, it takes time in our world today and we're not the Christ and he was, but in three years he influenced those men and then the Holy Spirit comes and dwells them, continues influencing them as he influences our lives and the world hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you about influence. I have an old yellowed newspaper clipping that tells the story of two completely different families. One is 
the family of Max Jukes. He was a renowned atheist. And the other is Jonathan Edwards, the great early American Puritan preacher. These two men were contemporaries. And taking the time to trace their posterity to the fourth generation, listen to what was found. Max Jukes married a godless wife, and from that union to the fourth generation, 310 of his descendants died penniless, dependent on the government. 150 were convicted criminals, seven of them were convicted of murder. Over a hundred died as total drunkards. More than half the women to the fourth generation worked as prostitutes. Think about that. Jonathan Edwards married a praying, God-fearing woman, and of 1,394 known descendants to the fourth generation, there were 14 college and university presidents, 65 college professors, over 100 ministers of the gospel who served as pastors, missionaries, theological teachers. There were over 30 judges, 100 attorneys, 75 army and navy officers, 60 authors of prominence, over 60 became physicians, three became United States senators, and one vice president of the United States. 80 became public officials in other capacities, numbers of them serving as governors of states. 295 of them graduated from college, and not only did not one of those descendants of the fourth generation cost the state a single penny, almost every North American industry has been influenced by an offspring of Jonathan Edwards. Influence. Influence. Jesus said that the children of this generation or this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. I'm amazed at the devotion of the gangbangers, the pimps, the hookers, and the drug dealers in my city. In this frigid weather, you can still see them on the corners of our streets, conducting business, peddling their lies, offering rebellion, and making the young people that they're endeavoring to snatch twice the child of hell that they are. Hell's evangelism goes on even in this kind of weather when our churches will close because of the weather. Hell doesn't shut down. Just here to tell you, they're there 24-7. They're there all the time. We have three motorcycle clubs in our city. And you know what? Even in this weather, though the motorcycles are put up, they'll be there in their vans at their clubhouses. And they'll plow their lots and they'll even plow the streets so that they can get in and get out and have their club meetings week in and week out. Lenin built the, what would become the USSR by literally murdering millions of his own people and garnering the children to himself, knowing that if he had the children, he could promote and produce a godless communist nation, which he did do. And Stalin and Lenin both murdered their 
protesters off. Do you know Mayo did the same thing in China? He murdered millions, even more than they killed in Russia. He killed more of his own people and again established state-run institutions where the children would come and he was building the Red Army. You just take a look at history, talking about influence. Hell understands the importance of influencing children. May God help us, and I know you don't do it here, but I travel every week and I'm in different churches and I watch the difference. I see churches that invest in their children and understand they're not the church of tomorrow, they're the church of today. And then I see others that babysit the kids, get them out of their hair, get anybody to do anything to just keep them in a back room somewhere so they don't disturb the service. Dear God, help us. I wish hundreds of my kids could be here disturbing the service today rather than where they're at. I'd give anything for them to be here and disturb this service and hear the gospel and feel the presence of God and watch people like today give their hearts to Jesus openly and publicly and watch as we honor the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ around this table. I'd give anything to have them here disturbing this thing. No wonder Jesus said that the children of the world are wiser than we are in their day and time. Hitler did the same thing. He killed off all of his protesters, all those who were against him. He built the Red Guard, garnering again the children and the youth, and made the free world tremble. You can see it on your newscasts every day almost in the Muslim world where they're gathering the children four and five years of age who'll sit for hours cross-legged rocking back and forth, memorizing, are you listening to me, memorizing the Quran. Because you see, they don't look at them as insignificant four and five year olds. Their influence upon those children will build suicide bombers that in 10 years will walk into a marketplace in Tel Aviv and some of the major cities of America in the next decade and blow us into eternity. They're not four years old in the minds of those who are building them. They're 15, 16, 17, 20 that are ready to die for the cause that they're being influenced to embrace and accept this truth. Talking about influence. Less than 5%, and I think it's much less than that, of our society who have embraced homosexuality are influencing the vast majority of the silent ones of which the church is guilty while they are working diligently at influencing the youngest among us beginning in kindergarten with school approved curriculum that approves of demonstrates the validity of the homosexual lifestyle. It's in our public school systems. Get your heads out of the sand and, and read your Bible, but read something that's happening in the society you live in so you know how to apply the Bible to what's happening. 
Who is being seduced by the street gangs and the drug dealers in my city? It's the children. They are actively recruiting kids in third and fourth grade to join gangs. Detroit has a 25% graduation rate, Pontiac 35%. What do 75% of the kids do that drop out of school before they're done with their sophomore year? Who are basically illiterate because our public schools have failed them. Pontiac schools right now have a $58 million deficit. We're trying to climb out of it. They're talking and talking and talking. I'm telling you, our kids, we're throwing more money at education and our kids are illiterate and behind and particularly in the urban setting. They, had, they can graduate from high school and have never read a book from cover to cover. Do you know that our children, we have to read the Bible to them and read with them, and we have their Bibles and they follow along with us in our after-school tutoring program so that they can learn to read? What happens to kids that fall out of school? 75% of them in Detroit, 60-plus percent in, in Pontiac. What are, they're going to go back to what they know. They've been influenced from the time they've been brought into the world. All they know is cursing, all they know is fighting, all they know is drunkenness, all they know is addiction, all they know is drug sales, all they know is gang life. That's all they know and that's exactly what they turn to because there aren't any alternatives. God bless you for what you're doing with these moms. Let me tell you something. The church should never, ever have to beg to find 40 willing people to sit with 40 moms that need Jesus. We ought to need to turn people away. <laughs> talking about influence. I'm talking about influence. That's why God's raised up the Ministry of Power Company. That's why God has raised up a team that went in and pioneered it together. That's why God's raised up another army of young people who have been saved in and through the ministry and through your gifts and your prayers and your partnership together with us because God is intent on influencing an entire city with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word of God says, His eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf whose heart is completely his. Do you know that together, us together in the spirit of unity and love could change an entire city in one generation? Now, I just want to throw something out for consideration. If all of us, every last one of us in this room this morning, worked our jobs and understood that it was God-given to promote the kingdom, also to take care of your family, so you have a roof over your head, you feed them, you, you have the things that we need to do. God says a man that doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbelieving individual. So, so that's part of it. But also remember that God's given us our jobs not only to take care of our family, but to spread the gospel throughout all the world. That he has entrusted us, not with 10%, but with 100% of which 10 signifies his ownership of the 90. And God wants to know what we're doing with the 90 because it's not what we give, it's how much we've got left that impresses him. And if we all understood that our jobs were God-given and to be used for the kingdom, and we began to lay aside all the other encumbrances, our boats, our motorcycles, our snowmobiles, 
our sports love, all the things, and just gave ourselves until Jesus comes to the spreading of the gospel right here where we live and in the surrounding cities, we'd see a revival that would be unprecedented. Please forgive me. You don't have to invite me back. I just had a flash go before me of the bumper sticker I love. Don't honk if you love Jesus. Pay your tithe. Anybody can honk. <laughs> so let's not just clap. Let's not just clap. Let's get on our knees and our face and ask God to make us influencers that can change our world, the one we live in. Thank you for helping us change Pontiac. Thank you for sending money to Africa. Thank you for influencing other But God wants us to start in our own Jerusalem. And by doing that, we can have a revival of, of unprecedented reach and effect that would flow out not only here throughout Shelby Township, Utica, and beyond, but would continue to flow out because everything that God does is a ripple effect. It just keeps going. You throw a rock in a pond and you see the ripples continue to spread it themselves out. It just keeps moving and moving and moving. How many know that, that the woman who couldn't get to Jesus, she couldn't get close enough, said, if I can just touch the fringe of him, I could get. Do you know how many people there are out there that if they could just touch the fringe of a ma major move of God in Shelby Township, they could be transformed and saved and set a new foundation for generations to come. I'm talking about influence this morning. In Scotland some years ago, a faithful pastor who had been pastoring a small congregation was asked to step down by elders within that church because they cited the fact that in the last year only one person had come to be a member of the church and he was a nine-year-old boy that the pastor had actually taken in because his parents had abandoned him. And reluctantly and with a broken heart that pastor stepped down as the shepherd under Christ of that church. But rather than get bitter and frustrated and sit in a corner and watch his life ebb out of him, he turned all of his energies and attention to that nine-year-old boy. And when that nine-year-old boy grew up and went through university, he translated the Bible in a common language that all could read and stood before almost every king in Europe. His name was Robert Moffat. And you might have read the Moffat's translation. I have it in my library and have read it myself. A nine-year-old boy that the church looked at as insignificant and, and uh, un, unneeded. And what could he do anyways? And a pastor who took him in did more for the cause of Christ than the entire church together combined. I want to talk to you this morning about influence. Do you understand influence? 
Your influence, who are we influencing? Who is being touched by our life? Who is feeling the presence of God? Who is under conviction just because you're on the job? And I'm not talking about talking them down, telling them everything they're doing wrong and they're going, I'm just talking by your presence. It was told that Finney could walk in a factory where in the community where he was holding revival and such conviction by just his presence would begin to fill the room until they would tremble and others would ask him how they could give their lives to Christ. Who are we influencing? What is the scope of our influence? I know you've got lunch to eat. You've got places to go. And the children of my city have too. It's hell. They're going to hell every day. I've buried more children. I could take you through the cemeteries of my city and tell you their stories. It'd break your heart. Children. I've watched them die. I've watched them be abused. I've watched them taken out. I've watched them go to prison. I've watched them go to jail. I've watched us lose our ability to further influence them. We don't win with them all. I'd love to be able to tell you that every child that comes through the door, we're winning with them. We don't win with them, but we're winning with more every year. Because longevity and continuity and stay stick-to-itiveness. We have an attitude that whatever it takes, and I thank God for a team of people that serve with me with that kind of spirit. I, I want to reach out to those who are like the man that cried out in the Psalms. He, he said, I, I beheld, I looked at my right hand and beheld, and no man would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I live and breathe so that every child in my city will not be able to stand before God and say that, that no one cared for their soul, that there was no refuge for them, because I want them to know that Jesus is their refuge. Jesus is their present help in their time of need. Jesus is their Savior. Jesus is their deliverer. Jesus is the one that can bring them out and take them in. Jesus can lay down a new road for them and give them a new life and a new home and a new beginning. He alone is the answer. And thank you for standing with us to help us take that message to those children week in and week out. Do you know we have such dedicated people that are out visiting those homes uh, every, every single week in this bitter cold, in below zero temperatures, after work, in the bitter cold, on these streets, stuck this week so many times. We, we were running around helping everybody get out as they were visiting their children. And, and, and the buses on the side have to have wreckers come and get them out. I'm just telling you, folks, these people are committed to the salvation of the children of our city. And God's blessing is resting upon anyone, anywhere that is willing to do whatever it takes to see that His name is exalted and brought to those who are in darkness. I work with children that don't have rooms to clean up. Their pictures aren't on anybody's dresser. They're not spoiled by anybody. They go to bed hungry and cry themselves to sleep. Their nightmares come in the daytime and their monsters are real. 
and they live and move, but have no being. It's hard to work with a five-year-old child who doesn't have any spark of life in his eyes. I look at my grandbabies, I've got 10 of them all the way from 19 down to six. And their eyes sparkle, that's the one thing I, I notice. I Skyped yesterday with my daughter, missionaries in South Africa, six years working in the shacks and the shanty towns of North Durban with the Zulus. No running water, no electricity, one bathroom for over 2,500 people in a settlement at a time. Day to day, I mean, they're poor. They're the kind of poor that the Bible speaks about in Revelation. It's, it's a moment-to-moment sustenance, nothing in reserve. And as I talked to my four granddaughters yesterday, I just, the sparkle, you know, the sparkle that's there glows, it gleams, it's like, a, like they got a light inside, an LED, you know, that just is popping. But I pick up little children and visit them in their homes and they come to the door with their head down. And I lift, I'll get down on my knees and I'll lift their little chins and I'll look into dead eyes. And if we know there's abuse, if we suspect it, if there's any hint of it, we have social workers that actually work with us on our team and we report it and make sure it's taken care of, but we don't always know what's going on. But I'm going to tell you, when a five-year-old little girl, as beautiful as she is, looks at you with death in her eyes, and there's no gleam, there's no light, it'll suck the very soul out of you. Our children don't know, so many of them, that there are dreams to dream. They, they don't know there's a way out of what seems to be a vicious cycle of violence and crime and addiction and abuse. But there is a way out. And we know there's a way out. In fact, we know him personally because he is the way and the truth and the life. Oswald Smith, pastor of maybe one of the greatest missionary churches to ever exist, gave 90% of their income to missions, and the church existed on a tenth. Toronto, Canada, People's Church, he said, you've got to go or send a substitute. There are no two ways about it. Many of you have heard my testimony. I'm not going to share it lengthy, but just very quickly. If it wasn't for a man almost 100 years ago that knocked on my grandmother's door and told her the gospel for the very first time in her life. I come from the gun clan, went to hell. For th- There's no Christian history in our family whatsoever. We're, we're, we're from Scotland, actually Norsemen that invaded northern Scotland. And, and down through the years, we've been nothing but drunkards and criminals. Our, our sordid history is unbelievable until a man from the Salvation Army told my grandmother one day, almost a hundred years ago, 
He knocked on her door and told her about Jesus, and she got saved that day. She was 47 when she died of a broken heart. I never knew my grandmother, but her influence on my father made an indelible impression that later as an adult he couldn't get away from. And my dad got saved, and that transformed our family forever. Five generations, my grandmother, Listen, two of her sons went into full-time ministry, five of her grandchildren are pastors, and three of her great-grandchildren are in full-time ministry, two are missionaries, one my daughter, one my niece, and the other my son, who's a youth pastor. Think of that, from a woman that, that didn't even know Jesus almost 100 years ago, five generations, 10 of my grandchildren are in the house of God this morning, four in South Africa, four in India, three in Indiana, three out in Waterford, and they're there because a man influenced my grandmother, whose influence influenced my father, whose influence influenced me, whose influence influenced my children and my children's children. I want to tell you today that, that, that those six, those, those, those three couples, those six young people who got married, all of them come from fatherless homes. Uh, little Chelsea was, was taken in by an elder. Her, her adopted mother is 88 years of age. Chelsea started with us in kindergarten. Her and Gary were married right. Quantel and Alicia and Jamila and Mike and all three of those families have a mom and a dad and a little baby that was born in God's way and in God's method and, and they have laid down a new foundation that will last for, for until Jesus comes where that influence of that godly mom and dad who were in their early 20s, a couple of them in their mid-20s, are going to raise their children in a home to love God, to have a dad. You ought to see those kids, how they love their daddies and how their daddies love them. And I'm teaching them to say, Papa, before they say Dada, but I'm not getting real successful at that. What a thrill it is. I'm talking about influence this morning. Now, I'm almost done. If you didn't say amen earlier, don't now, okay? Not a good time. One man can make a difference. You read number 16, when the plague came upon Israel and they were dying by the thousands. Moses said to Aaron, you take your censer and you go to the altar and fill it with fire. You bring it back and stand between the living and the dead. And Aaron went and obeyed Moses' command. He filled the censer with fire from the altars of God. He stood between the living and the dead and the plague was stayed. You, my friend, are God's censer. You and I are his censers. And we no longer need to go to a physical altar where there's a flame burning continually because we can go into the Holy of Holies and be filled with the fire of heaven, the very person of fire, the Holy Ghost of God, who will fill these human censors with holy fire and allow us to go into the marketplace and into our schools and into our homes and into our neighborhoods and everywhere that we go and stand. Our position is to stand between the living and the dead that the plague might be stayed. You can make a difference. John Whitehead, the founder of the Rutherford Institute, said, Children are the living messages we send to a time we will never see. I want to send a message to the next generation that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers, Jesus 
keeps. Jesus sanctifies. Jesus changes things. Jesus makes a way where there is no way. Jesus can bring you up out of the deepest pit that you could ever dig. Jesus is the answer for our world today. Will you help me show our children the power of love and unity as we together transform the city of Pontiac and other cities that the Lord is going to allow us to enter into for the next 22 years should Jesus tarry. It takes $60,000 a month to keep our doors open. We have a fleet of buses. We have sidewalk trucks. We have 15 passenger vans. We, we, we have a huge facility. We, we have programs. We have uh, full-time staff. It, it's, it's huge, and I'm out beating it out every week. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not complaining, but I'm tired. I've been doing this 22 years, and I'm physically tired. I am weary today. I'm not weary of well-doing, and I'm not weary of Jesus, and I'm not weary of those children and loving them, but I'm weary of reaching for a buck over and over and over. And I want you to help us this morning one more time, Lakeside. Would you do that? Would you help us one more time today? Uh, our, our January is notoriously the worst financial month of the year, following Christmas and the end of the year, and our income for January was $21,000. We missed it by almost 40 grand. And to go into February, it's, 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 it's weighing on us heavily, and I really need your help. And so as you take an offering this morning, one more time for the children, it's not for me. They asked me here, how do you like the check made out? I said, make it out the Power Company Kids Club. It isn't for me, it's for them. You're not enriching me. You're enriching the life and eternal soul of a child and their entire families. But I need your help today. Would you help us get over this hump? Would you help us hit our 22nd year with fervor and with, with, with unction and with the ability and the tools and resources to do even more than we've ever done before? Would you do that this morning and would you do it to exert your influence one more time in a city that desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. These tears are real. This heart is real. I love you. I appreciate you. We pray for you. And we pray for our other supporting churches. Thank you for standing with us. And thank you for making a difference in the lives of so many, many, many children and their families. God bless you. Thank you. Father. Father. We receive that word as a living sacrifice unto thee. Lord, we want to be careful and keenly aware and sensitive to what the Spirit is saying to the church in this hour. We want to be sensitive to one who has put his heart out there for us with passion. Help us, O oh God, to respond to your word. Lord, it's so easy to look the other way. It's so easy to forget about our inner cities. Oh God, help us not to be like the one who walked by 
and walked on the other side of the road with the one who had been victimized in your parable of the Good Samaritan. But Lord, help us to be the Good Samaritan who takes the time, who takes the focus, who gives of himself for your work. Now, Lord, as we receive this love offering for Pontiac Kids Power Company, Lord, help it to come from the heart this morning. Help us to respond by faith in the name of Jesus, bless the faithful giver. In the name of Jesus, bless Kids Power Company. In the name of Jesus, bless John Gunn. Help him, O oh Lord. God, help that ministry. Not only in its finances, but let this be the greatest year this ministry has ever had. Lord, the greatest harvest, the greatest ingathering for your glory. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.